Allegretta Alive is a spiritual teacher, self-love and empowerment leader, and portrait artist. In the self-love movement, there are no followers, only leaders, creators of their own joy, heroes of their own story, champions of the compassionate world. The Spirit of Self-Love podcast reminds us that we are all miraculous beings with purpose and can help humanity elevate and evolve by returning within. Do you remember who you really are? Hello again, leaders of the self-love movement. Today's guest is Emma Lovett, also artistically known as Sole. In her words, as an artist, I embody the notion that we exist as reflections of each other. She's been working in the Boston area for the past five years as a muralist and curator, collaborating with many local businesses, collectives, and organizations. Emma currently works as the creative director of Brain Arts Organization and gallery director of the Dorchester Art Project, platforms she uses to empower others and facilitate community-building arts experiences. We talk about how to maintain creativity during quarantine, making art to connect more to ourselves, and the imperative value of connection. Emma Lovett is the real deal as a figure of authentic artistic expression in genuine artist community building. Now more than ever is the time to show up in support of each other and to lift up local art organizations that are treasures to our society. Creativity liberates and our conversation about building up artist communities starts now. I think for creatives, it's like your work life and your creative life and your personal life are all kind of like intertwined. But I mean, I was working like 12 hours a day, like every day, pretty much. Yeah. You know, even if it was just going to an event or something, you know, it was so like for work and Mm -hmm. so to go to this new place has definitely taken a big adjustment. I feel like there's a lot of positive habits that I hope that I can figure out how to maintain after this too, because I think I was like not doing a lot of reflection that I should have been doing. Like restoring some healthy work-life balance. Yeah, for sure. I was definitely grinding pretty hard. (laughs) Even just like something as small as like remembering my dreams. Like I felt like I didn't have enough brain space. And I've been having, like, wild dreams. Mm-hmm. What are some of your weird dreams that you've been having? They get weird, but, you know, I have had a practice of recording my dreams and analyzing them. And I had a few in a row that they all had different premises and locations and subjects, but adults or, like, older people in my life. Uh-huh. Like, one was my dad, and then one was, like, my boyfriend's mom, and leading me on these tasks that I realized were kind of impossible or I didn't really want to be doing them because they were too overwhelming. Yeah. So that's what's cool when you can kind of track your dreams for several nights for cycles because you realize that there's like similarities between them and in the similarities you can start to figure out what it's trying to tell you. Yeah. You know we all inherit the future from our the past generation Mm -hmm. and You know, I think this is like a really huge shift for everyone. Uh Our generation is 
kind of in this middle place of like we are not fully taken over yet we're still like subservient Uh to a lot of the older folks but I think we're awakening to the fact that this current future that we're all working towards is like not gonna work yeah and it's not like gonna create the best future right so that was a good thing to reflect on Uh uh-huh uh-huh anything else that you've been reflecting on Accepting the full experience of emotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of just being like, oh, no, the emotion is too freaky. I mean, it's actually a realization I had before all this went down. I mean, it's a realization that I have sort of cyclically, I guess. Uh-huh. I had a close family member um, get diagnosed with cancer, which is just like so random and awful. Uh-huh. Just seems so unfair and so unbelievable and I kind of just had to let myself feel that and yeah not like shy away from it or distract myself from it and just kind of feel the immensity of life definitely have carried that over to what's going on now for sure I do feel like this whole crisis kind of caught me in a time of reflection and absorption I feel like as creatives, we kind of go through these periods of being more productive and constructive and creating things and putting things out. And then the time comes when we have to slow down and absorb and process. And I think I'm definitely in that stage right now. So I don't think it's related to the crisis necessarily. But yeah, I've just found myself being drawn to more just kind of self-reflective projects that aren't really going anywhere or intended for any audience, but just kind of exploring and experimenting. Doing creative work has always been a anxiety-reducing tool for me. Uh-huh. So, yeah, when my hands are busy, I just feel better. In this stage that I'm at, it's almost like I, I care less about what I'm doing, and it's more just the process of doing it. Uh yeah there's that and then definitely just like reading I've never had this much time to read um (laughs) yeah in my life (laughs) except for maybe like you know summers when I was like 12 right um (laughs) so even that feels creative um even though I'm not creating anything I'm just kind of like absorbing and taking stuff in I'm an independent professional artist a muralist I do painting and smaller commissions occasionally but for the past two years I've just been focused on building my mural portfolio so I was just about to launch a big project which was in collaboration with school children I got a grant from the Somerville Arts Council to do a mural where I had the children actually um, design the mural collaboratively sweet it had been a long process of applying for the grant thinking about the proposal and concept and, you know, months and months. And I was like three days away from starting it. Oh, man. I mean, mural making doesn't necessarily have to be um, like in community or, you know, with people. But, you know, I'm interested in public art. Definitely had a few projects, including that one, that are postponed. Uh Uh-huh. And, yeah, and then I run a, a nonprofit which comprises of a performing arts space that has a gallery, which I run, performance space, art studios, storefront, and Fields Corner, Dorchester. So that has been closed. 
Yeah. We run a flea market. We bring out like a thousand people and a hundred vendors every other month, I guess. And uh-huh. so that's been canceled. I organized a show series in a church. Yeah. We bring like quiet music into a beautiful church space. Mm. And that's been canceled. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, life is on pause <laughs> pretty much for me. Just reading and doing your own projects at home. Yeah, and I am working from home for the nonprofit. We're still engaging with community virtually. Yeah. And trying to provide resources to our artist community and been connecting with other arts organizations too. You know, I think a lot of us are realizing the time for collective messaging and advocacy right now. So engage in some of those efforts, which is exciting. Yeah, what does that look like? It's really exciting. I think it's a little uncertain right now and just people don't know how things are going to play out. Right. But I sense that people are definitely sensing the urge to connect and figure out what is our way forward, uh-huh. getting everyone's experiences out there and heard by each other. Uh-huh. So I think that's the instinct we're all kind of like leaning into right now, um, which I think is good. Uh-huh. And we just launched a crowdfunding fundraiser. Where you're at in all of this, what seems to be some of the more important things that we need to do in terms of advocating for our community of artists? I think uniting is just really important. I'm part of some groups of like smaller organizations that are uniting. Our experience as arts organizations are really different depending on what size you are. Right. And, you know, how long you've been around and who you serve. So, yeah, I think just coming together and, you know, we're always stronger when we're together. I think that's it's kind of step number one. Um, luckily, we do have an, a statewide arts advocacy organization in Massachusetts. If people don't know, it's called Mass Creative. Uh-huh. That's a place that folks can plug in if they want to figure out, you know, what they should be emailing their legislator. <laughs> 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 That's definitely something I've been doing. What kind of things have you been emailing? Um, just in support of different programs and funding for, for arts organizations. I've seen a lot of memes floating around about how the arts are basically getting us through this time. <laughs> And like everything that you're doing to kill time right now is produced and created by a creative worker, cultural worker. Yeah. And how, you know, your mental health would not be where it's at without your music and your podcasts and your shows. For sure. So I've just been trying to like, I've just been trying to stay plugged into what's going on, you know, bigger than my own personal sphere. Yeah. Advocate for our work wherever we can. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And this is kind of what I've been advocating for is just, I think the arts sector needs to advocate, unite more with like worker class or low income fights that are going on right now. Cause oh, for sure. so many artists are part of those communities. It's all intersectional. That's something that I would like to see happen. Our one project that hasn't been, you know, completely canceled is our newspaper. We make the Boston Compass newspaper and it's a free monthly arts and culture guide for Boston area stuff. We usually put a ton of event listings in there, but obviously that's not happening. So we just adapted and we filled the space with like um, direct links to artist work where you could stream music or buy art online and just filled it with a ton of articles. Uh. Other things we've been doing is we um, focus a lot more on our blog. We have a blog on brainarts.org, brain-arts.org. We've been pumping that up. 
up more as a, a way to share information. And, um, you know, we already, we just had a bunch of people reach out and want to contribute. So we've been creating that into a resource for folks. We have a lot of awesome content on there. Like our board member wrote a really great piece about like different legislation that you can support. That's like art specific. Mm. Boston area. There's like a listing of virtual comedy shows. And there's just like interviews with artists and venues and it's really dope. So we've been putting more energy into that. The mission of Brain Arts Organization is to realize creative independence in systematically undervalued communities. You yeah. can find an extended mission on our website, but yeah, we're just about radical accessibility to the arts and like adapting everything we do. Make sure that all who want to access our programs can. We luckily have a lot of awesome partner organizations who, um, you know, just have more capacity than us and are thinking about these same problems. Uh-huh. You know, like our friends at the Cambridge Community Center have started an awesome like food bank, basically. So we're just like promoting that and making sure people have access to that. And our friends at the Viet Aid in Dorchester are doing a lot of awesome work, and we're just highlighting that and. Just staying connected with everyone to see what we, how we can uplift what people are already doing. Thank you for explaining all the awesome work that you guys are still doing and still holding on to some semblance of community and advocacy for artists. Uh, how did you even get involved with Brain Arts and Dorchester Art Project to begin with? I got involved first with the Boston Compass newspaper. I was in a band and I was doing art projects and um, waitressing and basically just full-time hustling. Yeah. And I found the paper and they had a call for volunteers. And I mean, straight up, my first instinct was like, oh, I should start doing this so that more people care about my band. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I started volunteering. I was finding comics for the back page of the newspaper and little illustrations. And then I was like designing the back page of the newspaper and then I was designing the paper and like (laughs) doing all the production for the paper. Um, Then I was like liaisoning with all the visual artists and getting all the visual materials created for our show series and everything like that. And then when we took over DAP years later, I ended up being the gallery director at DAP. So it was kind of the snowball Early on, I had to really commit and kind of realize that I had grown to something bigger than just promoting myself. And I had to kind of commit to to doing something and serving something that was greater than myself. Yeah. And it's been a journey at every step and definitely a lot of imposter syndrome <laughs> and taking on roles and tasks that I felt wholly unprepared for, but just learning, you know, learning through experience for sure. So I'm looking at your website, and I'm looking at um, your artist statement, and it says, as an artist, I embody the notion that we exist as reflections of each other. I think you also say something about how you like to utilize the art-making process to connect to, like, the subconscious. I mean, that first statement is a really good example of the second statement. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The statement didn't come first, you know, the statement about existing as reflections of each other. What came first was just a doodle that I felt compelled to like repeat again and again and explore more, which is my face chain is what I call it. It's my little 
silhouettes kind of disembodied heads that are connecting with each other and floating around. Yeah. It's in all of my recent work. So that just started as a, a random little doodle in a mandala that I was making. Mm. And it was only that when I started repeating it and kind of like digging deeper into it, mm-hmm. that created the statement, which has now become my artist statement, about just how we all use each other to create ourselves. It probably also partially came out of my, my sociology education. That's why I studied in undergrad. Uh-huh just kind of understanding like on a macro scale how identities are created and how like the individual process of identity creation is connected to the world at large and vice versa. So it probably kind of had its seed in that, but the realization like didn't come about until I started mindlessly creating and analyzing. So that's kind of what the second part is about, you know, my process of first just moving with instinct and almost like kinesthetically just divorcing it from all sense of like context or concept and bigger ideas about what the art could be about just kind of going off what feels right Uh instinctually you know subconsciously and then coming back later to analyze it and process it yeah yeah so I think I'm I think I'm on my way into something else and I don't know what it is yet so that's why I'm kind of in this state of absorbing new things the concept of the face chain is gonna stay with me whatever happens I'll just figure out a different way to adapt it or communicate that for sure it's a very like universal concept and theme that you're exploring yeah it's been fun like I people send me on Instagram and stuff instances of them seeing the face chain like in other artists work or just in nature it's kind of cool I love seeing it pop up in other places that's awesome yeah in what ways have you utilized your art making process to connect more to yourself and to like your own sense of self Mm. especially as an introvert maybe um I really do feel like putting my art out into the world is like really the only honest way that I can communicate who I am to the Mm -hmm. world. Yeah. I'm pretty private person. I mean, you know, I am out there and doing all the networking and things that are necessary for um, running a nonprofit. Uh But as far as like who I let into my inner world, it's a very small group of people, you know, through my art, I feel like, that's how I kind of let people in. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a safe way to do that in an honest way. Yeah. You know, I've really leaned on that in my whole life, basically. Mm-hmm. Not that type of person who just can go on Instagram Live and freaking spill my heart and soul. <laughs> you know, I have to do it through a song that I wrote or a painting that I did. It's really the only way that I can feel seen. Yeah. And it's a way to kind of filter everything out. You know, when I feel lost or confused or anxious, it's totally something that I that I turn to. Mm-hmm. That's why I loved your intro about being the hero of your own story. It's just so important for mental health. You know, even as painful as things get, it's like if you don't have some type of inner narrative for what's driving you or, you know, what your path is, you're going to feel really directionless and lost and alone so yeah yeah 
when in your life have you needed to utilize that to be like the hero of your own story and to really develop that deep sense of like inner self compassion? I definitely think it was probably strongest in my early 20s, those angsty times. <laughs> and I um, Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, my first real creative project out of college was collaboration with a really intense personality um, that, you know, it, it lasted for a while and it honestly launched me into like really committing to pursuing my creativity full-time as much full-time as I could. But it was also really damaging in a lot of ways. You know, I definitely had to rebuild a lot after our collaboration ended and yeah, it was super painful and difficult. And, you know, it was 100% art and creative projects that got me through it, for sure. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, I've been like singing and like writing my own songs since I was three or like less. Uh-huh. And I've always felt really strongly and honestly confident in a shy way about my creativity. Uh-huh. But going through an experience like I went through where you know, I had my, my own creative vision and voice discounted and cut down and kind of exploited. You know, I had to really work past that, uh, rebuild it all again. Uh-huh. And really with any transition, um, that was a huge transition. But even with smaller ones or, you know, I like stopped doing my band recently, really felt like I didn't have time for it. Even just little things like that, it kind of takes like a doubling down on yourself. And like just putting in that time to really think about what where you want to go and like right. figuring out who your your next self is. Right. Words of wisdom for any of the artists out there that are listening. In times like these, like I was mentioning, times of transition, it's like we got to just do the messy work of processing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you might create some really shit art. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You know, I've I've felt really fortunate enough to have taken some classes at the school museum of fine arts and one day in class the whole class we just spent making ugly art (laughs) oh yeah that's the best for sure go whatever direction that you feel moved in you know and also like don't discount you know learning and reading and and watching movies as unproductive i would say that absorbing is like some of the most productive stuff that you can do right now to close us out i'm gonna just pick out a couple cards from gabby bernstein's the universe has your back oracle deck okay i have two. First one says the moment i embrace my peace within and surrender the outcome is the moment that the universe can truly get to work mm. the second one says i'm unapologetic about what I desire and trust that what I focus on will grow. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That reminds me of uh, Adrienne Marie Brown quote. Mm. Like, what you pay attention to grows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm all for discipline and like, you know, I think keeping a regular like exercise routine is good. And But yeah, we should be gentle. We should be gentle with ourselves right now. Any... Last advice for anyone who is having to do a lot of processing and the processing is difficult. 
I think if you have access to nature, that is a really huge blessing that you should not ignore. Mm. Even if it's just, you know, a tree outside your window <laughs> mm-hmm. or something or like, you know, a little patch of grass out front. I grew up a hippie in Maine, so <laughs> I'm biased, but I think there's a lot to learn from nature and, you know, leave space for those feelings, even if they feel really terrible. You know, you're going to feel a lot better just allowing yourself to go through it than if you try to ignore it or push it away. So that's my advice. To learn more about how to support brain arts organization, link to the fundraiser is in the episode description. There are also links to Boston Compass, Dorchester Art Project, and like and follow Emma on Instagram at Soleil Arts. Thank you for listening today. You are loved so profoundly. Thank you for being here at this time to assist in the evolution of humanity. Thank you for being a leader of the self-love movement. Remember who you really are. Love always. And I'll meet you at the next one. Thank you.